Well, brothers and sisters, uh, it was so good to worship with you. Uh, even though I can't hear your voices uh, across the, uh, uh, the internet, I know that you were singing with us, and it's just so awesome to know that we are all singing our songs, the songs that we love to sing to our Lord and Savior, and how he has so awesomely gathered us here together. You know, these are, these are troubling, uneasy, unknowable days. Uh, it's so easy for us to be fearful. It's so easy for us to be anxious. It's so easy for us to be helpless and despairing. It's easy for us to lose sleep, to make rash decisions, to be irritable, to be cynical, to be hopeless. You know, for most of us uh, in our church, we've never experienced anything like this in our lives. We've, we've never walked through a global crisis where the whole world is experiencing a real threat on life and, and health and economy, where borders are closed, where salaries are being cut, where businesses are being shut down, where people are being laid off, where schools are being closed, where we're being ordered to distance ourselves in order to protect ourselves and to protect uh, our community and our society, to protect the most vulnerable we're learning all kinds of new terminology, right? Like self-isolation, social distancing, flattening the curve, stuff we've never heard of before. Uh, we're watching our leaders in action, hour by hour, right? Telling us, right? First, no more than 250 gathering. No more than 50 gathering. No more than 10. Now in the U.S., most of the U.S. population is in self-isolation. Our leaders are making decisions Massive decisions that affect us all, laws and directives that have real consequences for life and liberty. Multiple opinions, many experts, many predictions, all kinds of news, all kinds of projections. It's going to be two weeks, it's going to be six weeks, it's going to be two months, it's going to be five months, right? What's it going to be like next week? Will I lose my job? Will I be able to make my payments? What about my kids? What about my parents? What about the future? Will we make it through? These are all real questions we have. We can even question God in the middle of all of this. God, why is this happening? What's going on here? What are you doing? Where are you in all of this? Brothers and sisters, this stuff is hard. It's real. And I get it. We're feeling it too as a family. When things are out of our control, they feel like they're out of control. And this can bring loads of fear and anxiety. But friends, being, being a Christian doesn't mean that you're free from fear. But being a Christian does mean that we are free from being slaves to fear. Being a Christian means that we know where to turn in our fears. We know where to go with our anxieties. We know who to trust in, whatever comes our way. Being a Christian means no matter the circumstance, even though it may be super scary, we know the one. We know the one who knows it all. We know the one who is the Alpha and the Omega, who knows the beginning from the end. And so what we do as Christians is we go to his word and we bring his holy, perfect counsel to bear upon any given situation because his word is light in the darkness. His word is truth for our souls. His word is living and active. It does not return void. Psalm 119.24 says that God's words are our counselors. 
And so in this hard season, we need to hear from God. We need his words. We need his counsel. We need his truth. And so for these trying days at hand, in these unknown days ahead, we need his help. We need the very present help of God. If you have a Bible with you, turn to Psalm 46. If you don't have a Bible at home, you can go to, the, go to online right now and just Google Psalm 46. That'll pop up on your phone. Psalm 46. God is our fortress. To the choir master of the sons of Korah, according to the Alamoth, a song. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's pray again and ask for the Lord's help. Father, we do come before your powerful, perfect, inerrant, infallible, sufficient word. And we want to hear from you. Lord, we thank you that you speak to us through your word. We need your word this morning, Lord. Lord, as we're facing troubling times, unknowable days, Lord, we need to hear from you. We thank you, Lord, that your word is our counselors, counselors for our soul in our fears and in our anxieties, in our questions. We can come to you and seek your truth through your word. Lord, we pray that through this sermon, through the opening of your word, that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the gospel is, is not only for salvation, it's also for walking in that salvation. It's for living our lives. It's for sanctification as Christians. Constantly applying that gospel as balm to our souls so that we can be conformed into your image, not the image of the world, but to learn from you, to have our minds renewed, to have our desires changed so that we can follow you as we walk in the Spirit. Lord, speak to us today, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. Does anybody know where that comes from? Does anybody know those lyrics and who, who wrote those lyrics? Well, if you said that that was from the song, the old hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, you would totally be right. And if you said that the author was Martin Luther, you'd be so much more right. 
It's such an amazing hymn. He wrote it in 1529, which means we've been singing this for over 500 years. Actually, I remember as a kid, uh, we had our piano, and we had this Reader's Digest piano book, this green book, and at the very end, there was some hymns. And I remember this song. I remember, a mighty fortress is our God. And, and me, and yes, a one-armed guy can play the piano somewhat, um, learning to play this song, never knowing how great of a song it was and the great truth that it taught. It's an amazing hymn. It was regarded to be the battle hymn of the Reformation. It was a song that helped the persecuted boldly face their persecutors and death for the gospel. Martin Luther based this song on Psalm 46, the psalm that we're looking at today. And in his darkest days, he used to say, he would say, come let us sing the 46th psalm and let them do their worst. Psalm 46 was a psalm of courage, a psalm of power, a song of strength and assurance. As Martin Luther himself faced fierce persecution and imprisonment for the gospel. As we still sing Luther's song 500 years later, we need to be singing Psalm 46, a psalm that is 2,500 plus years old. We need to be singing that all the more in these dark times that we're facing today. This psalm was written to the choir master, the sons of Korah. These were, these were men of the Levitical priesthood who were charged with looking after the music, looking after worship, they were the ancient worship pastors of sorts. They were, they were the artsy guys. They were the musicians, right? My old pastor would say, instead of skinny jeans, they probably wore skinny tunics. But really, they were instructed to lead singing, to lead with instruments. And this particular song was to be sung according to the Alamoth, which is some kind of a musical term for some kind of certain tune or liturgy that they were to follow. And although the context isn't clear, it was a song written at a time of adversity, a time of crisis, a song to remind people of God's strength, God's presence, and God's triumph. Friends, as you and I face uncertainty today, as we face adversity, as we face crisis today, we need to sing this in our hearts as well. Brothers and sisters, we need to take courage. We need to take courage. In his immovable strength, you have unfailing stability. And we see that in the first three verses. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Friends, we need to take courage. In his immovable strength, you have unfailing stability. As I was at work on this portion of the sermon, our premier, Jason Kenney, was on the news live, and he was speaking about the extreme instability right now in our economy, especially in Alberta, right? Our economy was already depressed and distressed. For so long, our province was the strongest economy in Canada. Many years, 
Even though, even though we've had our ups and downs as a province. Overall, Albertans made the most money in Canada. And they shared the most wealth with the country. In many ways, Albertans have had a very, very stable economy. But right now, it's, it's extremely unstable. Our premier said on Friday that this season is projected to be the worst economic downturn since the Great Depression. Now, throw on top of that, the instability being brought in by this virus and what it poses to our healthcare system. Friends, we're facing unstable times. But as the psalmist is writing to God's people in unstable times, the first line of this song points to the true everlasting source of stability, God himself. God is our refuge and strength. Not the economy, not the government, not our money, not our health. God is our refuge and strength. To be a refuge speaks of God's defense, while strength speaks of his offense. A refuge is where you would go to escape danger. Think of a strong castle, not a Disney castle. Think of like Lord of the Rings, Helm's Deep, a strong castle with high, thick walls. Or as Luther would say, a mighty fortress, right? This is a picture of God's passive protection. While his strength speaks of his active protection. Think of it like a shield and a sword, refuge and strength. But even more than that, this refuge in strength is a very present help in trouble. So what that is speaking about here is God's readiness to protect. God is not aloof. God is not far off. God is not too busy. He is always ready to be a very present, helpful fortress and strength for his people. You know, sometimes, especially in times like these, we wonder where God is, right? We wonder, God, what are you doing? We sometimes feel like he's so far off that he doesn't care. But by God's word, he wants you to know that although that we feel this sometimes, it's just not true. If you are his and he is yours, he's not a million miles away. He is very near. He's very ready to defend and protect you. He wants to protect you as your refuge and as your strength in these times of trouble. And friends, we're in times of trouble. But even in the worst times of trouble, his protection and strength is unchanging. And this should give us great courage. Great courage when we are tempted to fear. Verse 2 says, Therefore, because of his protection and strength, we will not fear. Though what? Though the earth gives way, right? The greatest times of trouble. Though the earth is turned upside down, the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam. Though the mountains tremble at its swelling. 
In scripture, the earth and mountains are often used to resemble immovable, impregnable, immutable stability. While the sea is often used to speak poetically of restlessness, of menacing, of a violent force of chaos. And so as these immovable mountains are being violently destroyed, which is unthinkable, we see God's immovable strength and protection never changing. It never moves, right? Though the earth gives way, right? We don't fear. Though the mountains fall into the sea, we don't fear. Though the mountains roar and foam, we don't fear. Though the mountains tremble, right? These mountains are trembling at the chaos of the sea coming to tear them down. We don't fear because why? Because in his immovable strength, we have unfailing, unfailing stability. Our God is immovable. He is immutable. He is unchanging. As COVID-19, this novel coronavirus, is like a roaring, foaming storm right now, threatening to take down our mountains of stability. Friends, as God's people, we can take courage. Because why? Because he is our very present help. He's our very present help in the middle of the storm. God is always near. He is always ready. And he is always willing to be our refuge and strength in our time of need. So Christian, take courage. He is immovable. John Calvin said it this way. He said, true courage is founded altogether in God's protection. And those who rely upon God can boast not only that they are unafraid, but that they will be safe and secure when ruin overtakes the whole world. What refuges are you running to at this time? Where are you going to find your safety right now? God is your immovable strength. He is your refuge Augustine said this. He's talking about our refuges that we run to. He says, some refuges are anything but strong. So that anyone who flees to them is weakened rather than securely established. But our refuge is quite different. Our refuge is strength. When we flee to it, we shall be secure and unshakable. That's the truth for the Christian. Take courage. In his immovable strength, you have unfailing stability. So as God's immovable strength overshadows the most raging forces of nature, his powerful presence also overcomes the raging of humanity. Verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy habitation of the Most High God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. I love this. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Friends, God is with you. God is 
with you in his powerful presence, you have joy-filled security. Notice first, there's a river being mentioned here. Notice the river is in contrast to that raging, billowing sea. So no longer is water being used poetically here as destructive and menacing and wild, but rather life-giving, calm, pleasing. There is a river whose streams, so picture a lush, peaceful river with streams of life. It says, whose streams make glad or make happy or make joyful the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. Now, the city of God in the Old Testament always refers to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was where the temple was, right? It's where the the very holy presence of God dwelled with his people. That's his holy habitation, right? It's home of the most high. And it says that he is in the midst of her. That means that God is in the midst of his city, in the midst of his people, in the midst of Jerusalem through his temple. And because he is in her midst, she shall not be moved. Now, what's really interesting here is that the city of God, Jerusalem, has never had a river flowing through it. There were springs around Jerusalem, but there was no river. So this text isn't speaking of a literal river, but rather the flowing presence of God that makes the city glad. And it makes the city immovable. So as God dwells with his people, God brings joy to his people and he protects his people. God is in the midst of her. Therefore, she shall not be moved. And then the psalmist says, God will help her when the morning dawns. So again, we see God's help. And again, think of that very present help in time of need, right? Helping the city. When? When the morning dawns. Help her from what? Verse 6 says, The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. This language speaks of warfare. You know, as nature was raging in that first stanza, now mankind is raging in this stanza. It's, it's the warring of humanity, right? Nations raging, kingdoms falling. And so we see here the city of God is under threat. It's under a threat of being overcome, of falling, of tottering to human rage and war. But we see in that, that God promises to help her. To help her when morning dawns, right? I love that, when morning dawns, it speaks after the darkness of night. When the light rises, when the sun comes to help her. So his presence in the city not only brings joy to the city, but it also brings protection. What kind of protection? Verse 6 says, He utters his voice, and the earth melts. 
The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Again, we see this refuge and fortress and strength in what? Strength in his voice. Such strength. Do you see that? Do you see his strength? I love this line. Underline that in your Bible. He utters his voice and the earth melts. That's a powerful God. What power? What strength? The same voice that powerfully created everything is the same voice that powerfully can destroy anything. The same earth he so powerfully spoke into existence is the same earth he can so powerfully speak out of existence. That's your God. That's your unstoppable, immovable, powerful, ever-ready, present God. And he is in the midst of the city. And so the city should not fear. God's people in the city, they have God in their midst. Why should they fear? Brothers and sisters, we may not be facing the raging of war in our country. Our nation may not be under the threat of falling right now to another nation. But we do have one real threatening enemy who leads a fallen army against us, who hates the kingdom of God, who wants nothing more than to steal and kill and destroy your soul. And the truth is, apart from the presence of God in the midst of the city, God's people have no hope. Now, as the psalm speaks about God's presence in the city of God, the city of Jerusalem, Right? As his real, abiding, personal presence used to indwell the temple at the heart of the city. We have to remember that right now, God does not dwell within a temple. In fact, his presence left the temple of Jerusalem long ago. In fact, right now, there is no temple to dwell in Jerusalem. So how do we look at this? How do we apply this to our life? If God's powerful presence brings joy-filled security, how do I get that security? How do I get that joy? How do I get God's presence? That's where the gospel comes in. At the perfect time, 2,000 years ago, God sent himself. God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to come to earth put on flesh, just like you and me, to become a human. To come and to dwell with us. God's very personal, powerful presence with mankind. Just like Isaiah prophesied 700 years before Christ came, Isaiah 7.14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, right? And as we go to the gospel of Matthew, Matthew remembers this prophecy and he says about the birth of Jesus in Matthew 1.23, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means what? Which means God with us. 
Right? As Jesus lived and breathed and ministered with us for 33 years on earth, God's very powerful presence was with man. John's gospel says in John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. The word being used for, for dwelt among us here means tabernacle. Hearkening back to how God's personal, powerful presence used to dwell with his people through the tabernacle. His powerful presence was with them then. But what about now? As Jesus was arrested, as he was judged as guilty, as he was beaten, as he was scourged, as he was nailed to a cross, as he was crucified, on a Roman cross, as he was killed for my sin and for your sin. He died. He died for the sins of the world. But that's not where it ended. He victoriously rose from the grave three days later, right? Think about this text, when morning dawned. When morning dawned on the third day, Christ rises from the grave. And then as his powerful presence uh, was among his disciples for 40 days, he then ascended to heaven. Why did he go to heaven? Why didn't he stay? Why didn't God's powerful presence stay with his people? His disciples were wondering that as well. Why can't you stay? You can't leave us, Jesus. We need your presence. But Jesus said in John 16, 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, right? The Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Friends, when you believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus lived the sinless, perfect life, for you, and then he died the death that you deserve, and that he rose from the grave three days later. When you place your trust and your faith in him alone, when you repent of your sin and you trust in Jesus Christ, God's very powerful presence comes in and dwells within you forever, like that city of God. He dwells in your midst. He flows within you like a life-giving river whose streams make glad, eternal joy and satisfaction forever in the only one who can provide you with that. And he protects you. He protects you from your enemy. He speaks to your enemy and the earth melts. You cannot be moved when you are in Jesus and the spirit is in you. That's the powerful presence of God who is with you always. Just like Jesus said before he left, I will be with you even to the end of the age. God never leaves us. He is always with us if you are his. When I last visited our dear friend Carol at the hospice, she told me the scripture that's getting her through it all. Uh, she was telling me that uh, ever since she was 
diagnosed with lung cancer and how it's moving through her body, that she's had a hard time recalling scripture, even, even at times a hard time praying. It could be because of the drugs as well. But one scripture kept her going and is keeping her going to this day. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. And Carol is living this firsthand right now. God's streams are making her glad. He is in her midst and she will not be moved. If you go and talk to any of the nurses, she is the most joyful person to be serving at this time. She is so full of joy, even in her closing days. She knows that the Lord of hosts is with us. She knows that truth, that the God of Jacob is her fortress. Friends, as you and I are facing the unknown, these unprecedented days, as this virus spreads, as the economy falls, remember God is with you. God is with you. In his powerful presence, you have joy-filled security. You cannot be moved. So how should we respond to that? How do we respond to such marvelous truth? How should we live in light of God's immovable strength and his powerful presence? Well, the psalmist goes on in verse 8. How do we respond? Come behold the works of the Lord, verse 8. How he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Again, God speaks and the earth melts. How do we respond? Verse 10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And then the refrain, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. How should we respond? Be still and know him. In his triumphant victory, you have everlasting assurance. Friends, in the end, God will have his day. Verse 8 says, come behold the works of the Lord, right? Be watching, be waiting. We've been hearing that through the book of Mark as we've been studying through the gospel of Mark. Be watching and waiting. He will have his day, right? And who's doing is it? It's all his doing. doing. Notice, it's all him. It says, he has brought the desolations on the earth, right? He will judge this fallen universe. He makes war cease to the end of the earth, right? All warring is going to be over. He is the one who breaks. He is the one who shatters. He is the one who burns the chariots with fire. It's all him. All threats, all fears will be destroyed, and he is going to finish what he has started. And there will be perfect, eternal peace and harmony in the new heavens and the new earth. How are we to respond? Be still and know that I am God. Be still means stop panicking. Stop 
running around trying to figure this out on your own. Stop trying to control everything in your own strength. Stop fretting. Stop fearing. Stop worrying. Stop everything and know that he is God. Know that he is God. And and, and even more than that, know that he is God and you're not. Know that he has all things in his hands. And in that, we have nothing to fear. We're we're here to be beholding his works, right? Worshiping him, adoring him. When he is in your midst, you are forever safe. Know that when it's all over, God wins. He makes, he breaks, he shatters, he burns. He will deal with our enemy and this fallen universe With all of its death, with all of its destruction, with all of its disease. Friends, be still this week. Be still and know that he is God. As all of these things are unfolding around you, as the news feeds and the media are are informing us and and they're revealing uh, the severity of this situation in the midst of everything that we are facing right now, we need to be still. We need to calm our hearts. We need to know that he is God. We need to believe in who he says he is. We need to trust him. We need to wait for him. We need to know that he is in our midst. We need to know as this text promises, he will be exalted among the nations. He will be exalted in the earth. No power can outdo him. No evil can thwart him. Your God merely speaks. And what happens? The earth melts. The chariots burn. We need to rest in that. Friends, as we are in Christ And as the Holy Spirit is in us, and as God the Father is sovereign over this all, we need to know that Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back soon. That the one whose name is above every name, the one who who at his name every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He will be exalted among the nations. He will be exalted in the earth. But until then, right, as we've been studying in Mark, we've been, we've been studying that um, in the end times, birth pains are happening in the universe, right? Groanings in the universe, and they are going to get stronger, and they are going to grow more intense and more regularly. We need to know that all of this is signs that Jesus Christ is coming back soon. The more we see, the more we know he's coming back. The Lord of hosts is with us. The Lord of the armies of heaven is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The God of the promise is our fortress. The days that we are facing right now are troubling. They are concerning. We don't know what kind of changes we're going to face in the coming weeks or the coming hours. As COVID-19 runs its course, we're, we're obviously concerned for our aging population, for those with underlying health conditions. We're concerned for our families. We're concerned for our children. We're concerned for our healthcare system. We're concerned for our failing economy. And it's probably going to get a lot worse before it gets better. 
But as Christians, as those who know the truth, those who believe the truth, those who walk in the truth, as those who have God's very present help in our time of need, we can take courage because God is with you. Be still and know him. In him, we have unfailing stability, right? In his immovable strength, we have joy-filled security in his powerful presence. We have everlasting assurance in his triumphant victory. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word today. Lord, we thank you that uh, the psalmist speaks so strongly, so faithfully. Your Holy Spirit, who has written this word, knows that we need it. Knows that we need to hear from you, that you are our strength, that you are our very present help in need. And that when you're in our midst, we are immovable. Lord, I pray today that anybody hearing this who doesn't know you would turn their life over to you right now. That they would understand that in in the midst of their fears and anxieties and questions, there is a God who knows it all. A God who is sovereign over it all. A God who knows the beginning from the end. And a God who sent his son to die for the sins of the world. Lord, I pray that your spirit would go forth and convict hearts would encourage Christians in this as well. And then all of this, this whole virus, this crisis, the economy, would not be wasted, but it would be used for your glory as the gospel goes forth in power and people's lives are changed and that they learn what they've been designed for, which is to be a worshiper of the God Most High. We thank you for speaking to us today through your word. We pray that as we sing now, that our hearts would sing in spirit and truth, For what you have done, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.